This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. In a digital world that demands your attention, it can be challenging to build your own worldview. The Financial Times brings you rigorous and independent global journalism, so you can see more angles and find time to think for yourself. Don't jump to conclusions. Read to them instead. Fearlessly Pink. Financial Times. Read more at ft.com slash fearless. Across Northern Ireland, on your radio and on BBC Sounds. This is The Stephen Nolan Show! everyone the GAA a stadium that uh, they were promised would be built it's still not built all of these years later the Irish government yesterday announcing a, a commitment to more funding to help build that stadium we don't know how much it's going to cost there is some speculation that there could be about a, a hundred million pound shortfall should the British government follow through on its guarantee because he now has used the word guarantee have a listen to the programme today where should the money come from and the whole riot around it coming up right now from the biggest show in the country The Stephen Nolan Show Good morning an important breaking story this morning at the top of our programme The Nolan Show understands that notice has now been served on TransLink. TransLink provides the buses and the uh, train services for Northern Ireland. Uh, We understand that notice has been served on TransLink for the potential for a further three days of strike action should pay talks between the unions fail. Uh, Those talks are due to begin tomorrow, uh, Thursday. And the strike action, the potential strike action, if it happens would be next week for three days. So you start to get a sense already. Remember when there's been strike action in the past, the impact that the Education Authority, for example, has said that had on children with special needs trying to get uh, to school placements. Parents hearing this news at nine o'clock this morning, thinking to themselves, what about childcare? In just a few days' time, people trying to get to work, people trying to get to hospital and doctor appointments. So the strike action, we understand, would be from the 27th and on the 28th and the 29th um, of this month. So in six days' time, if they go ahead. What's happening is the GMB, the union that represents 3,000 workers from classroom assistants to kitchen staff to bus drivers to cleaners, many, many others, they have now warned and put TransLink on notice that these three days of strike action are on the table for next week if they do not get a pay settlement agreed this week. Now, this is after the Education Minister, Paul uh, Given, has offered no more money to address the pay and grading review for school staff that has been ongoing since 20. 20- uh, 18. Colin Neal is the CEO of Hospitality Ulster. This breaking story this morning, Colin, will shock people. It really will, and it's, look, it's really worrying. Um, I have an industry, I mean, the hospitality sector, you know, it's well known, it's been tough times for it now for three years. Our latest surveys say over a quarter of the industry have no cash reserves. I would appeal to people, look, stay around the table, you know, to have a strike 
one day after negotiations, like a one day negotiation. Negotiations take time. I, you know, we have said on record, we, we think TransLink people are entitled to a, a pay raise, but that has to be through a negotiated process. You know, the damage to other industries will be, will be severe. Uh, and, and, you know, Ireland just can't sustain, can't repeat it for the uh, yeah. incidents of strikes and, and people can't get to us. Obviously, there are, there are two different things here. Paul Given, who we mentioned there, the education minister, um, that that was about classroom assistance and 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 teachers and three thousand workers, classroom assistants, kitchen staff. This story this morning um, is the Department of Infrastructure, isn't it? And and TransLink. If if they go ahead, Colin, with three days of strike action next week, six days notice to the public, what will that do to business in Northern Ireland? It'll be another body flow, Stephen. As I say, our industry, it really is strained to the health. We have, you know, businesses that will feel, and this is going to increase that number. I say, appeal to everybody, stay around the table and negotiate an outcome. I, I Look, in all these negotiations, I'm old enough to know nobody ever gets what they want. Um, you know, but you have to be realistic in what money's there. The guys are entitled to a pay rise, but please think beyond the damage you will do if you start pulling strikes, I guess, before even really good negotiations had taken place. You, you, you would defend the right of a working man, a working woman, to get a fair day's pay and, and to be able to pay their bills at the end of the day. Oh, absolutely. And as I say, through all the strikes we have continued to repeat it, the guys have a fair case for a, for a pay rise. The unions transport have a fair case for a pay rise, as do health and stuff. And what my concern is, you know, we're hearing they're going to get negotiations are only going to start tomorrow, but there's a strike next week. Can we not at least exhaust the negotiations before we have to result to industrial action? So what do you say directly to the union? I would appeal to the unions. I have met them before. They know our case. Really appeal to them, please sit down and exhaust all channels in negotiation before any strikes happen. It is a really challenging time for our industry. And there are other sectors, other people will be impacted, as you said. But look, we are in a place, I can only speak for hospitality, quarter of the industry have no cash reserves. They can't afford to lose trade. It's only starting to pick up now. January's always horrendous for us. We're moving back towards March, where we start to see things improve, and we need that cash flow. Three days next week. Is, is three days, in your view, um, if, if strike action is to have the impact that the, the workers would want it to have, does that feel to you reasonable or excessive? Wait, I, I, I couldn't even say, Stephen, because I wouldn't know what is reasonable. I think, to me, the reasonable part is have negotiations been exhausted? Has there been, you know, have, have people sat up to three in the morning around the negotiating table trying to hag a deal? Colin, you, you, you talk about the industry picking up again after a horrendous January. Is, is, are there, are there, is it typical trade this, this February? Do you feel a downturn or an upturn or what? It, it, it's tight, Stephen. It's not typical trade. I mean, the cost of living is still really impacting and the cost of doing business to us. Like we've seen in the last 12 months, you know, you know, our headline figures for inflation and food are 25%. You know, we can't pass that on. So it's really, really tight, you know, impossible to make a profit at the minute so it is about keeping the doors open and pushing through this 
and say anything at all that, that interrupts with that sort of getting that cash flow is really perilous for us. Colin, thank you. Good morning to you. The breaking news on the programme this morning is that notice has been served on TransLink. It's not definite, but it's for a further three days of strike action should pay talks between the unions fail. The talks are due to begin, and not today, tomorrow. Brian, morning to you. Good morning, Stephen. Wednesday again. Right, uh, the TransLink strikes, quite frankly, I think three days in a row is a bit harsh on business. I back I back the, the bus drivers for a pay increase, but I think if they're going to do these three-day strikes, they should stage it one day one day per week, which is a bit easier on the economy, and they'll hopefully get the same message across. Quite frankly, could I make one other point? Yes. Right, um, I'm jumping on to the next topic. No, no, let's, let's not do that. I want to stay with this if you don't mind, but thank you, Brian. Jim and Lurgan. Morning, Jim. Hello, yeah. Go ahead. Um, a lot of people in Lurgan will be giving a sigh of relief if the, uh, the railway line goes on strike. We have three railway crossings in Lurgan. One of them is on the main arterial route into Lurgan. Now, Lurgan's down on its feet. All the banks have pulled out. Major uh, shops have pulled out. We need uh, major investment in Lurgan. We haven't had any. We haven't had any dividend from the peace process. It's the most attacked stretch of railway line in Europe. We have loads of deaths on it. And uh, as I say, we, we do, like, this Dublin to railway, Dublin Belfast railway improvement will be every hour. So why would you be supporting strike action? I can't understand how you feel I'm that contributes. I'm it will give a lot of people in the town relief because the real, the trains won't be coming through. Uh, the railway, those three railway crossings won't be closed and we'll be able to move. Between the railway crossing... I don't understand and, what you're saying. I really don't. I don't, I don't understand When the train it. comes through Lurgan, yeah. it becomes a car park. You can't move. Nobody can move anywhere. Right. Okay. Right. So because of that, you know, the town has, has suffered drastically because of that. Between the railway line um, and the motorway, there is uh, the biggest freight uh, staging post for lorries in Europe. So we have all that there hurling the town back. And uh, so... Now they're going to bring well, does a Dublin not, Belfast. The, they're going to improve the Dublin Belfast. Okay. Really think that there will be a, a, a Dublin Belfast train every hour coming through the town. Okay, Jim, thank you. Maybe that would contribute to the economy uh, of the town. John in North Belfast. Morning, John. Hello, Stephen. Stephen, there were £660 million allocated for public sector pay awards. You had a union official on your programme who said that wasn't enough and that the demand would be for £770 million. Now, the strikes are going to continue, and they do get the pay, the pay award that they, that they want, but they are, they are they should go on strike because their wages are that bad. I'm not denying that. For three days next week? You, you think that's proportionate? No, maybe you should have the union officials coming on your radio show. Well, we've invited them on. Explain, we've invited the union officials it. on, and I'm sure they will be on at some stage. But do the union does do the unions, if they want to keep the public on side, do they have a responsibility to give parents and workers and 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 citizens who use public transport more notice than six days? Of course they do. Hey, where, where does a parent get childcare from between now and next Thursday? Well, it's not even Thursday, it's Wednesday it's scheduled holding, for. They are, they're holding the public, they're answering, but you should have a union official on your radio show to explain to the public of Northern Ireland 
if they do get those people to pay awards that they want, what services do they want? Okay. Look, we'll come back to this story. Thank you for your call today. We wanted to make sure you knew about this as soon as we did. 030 17 minutes past 10. The Nolan Show from the BBC. So, the Irish government announced yesterday they will pump in £42 million to Northern Ireland for the redevelopment of Casement Park. This was part of a £683 million uh, package uh, that benefits Northern Ireland from... Uh, the Irish government. Uh, it is set to be a venue for Euro 2028 Casement Park, but questions remain over where the money is coming from, the shortfall. Yesterday, the DP MP Jim Shannon claimed the overall cost could be £220 million. Um, our community correspondent, Mark Simpson, with us this morning. Morning to you, Mark. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning, good morning. So, the interview that Buckler did uh, th- this morning with the representative from the, the GAA on, on Good Morning Ulster, we, we learned then that uh, the GAA are not prepared to put in any more significant funds. They've committed uh, £15 million, um, And we learned that they still want, like rugby gets it, like football gets it, they want all of the revenue, Mark, despite the public building the stadium. Who's going to blink here? Well, it is a game of political poker, and it has got political, Stephen. I would expect the next time a Sinn Féin or DUP minister are out and about in Belfast or elsewhere, this will be the first question they're going to be asked. Can I just refer back to your top story as well? UEFA are due in Belfast next week to go to West Belfast to have a look at Casement Park Stadium It will not be a good look if they find out there's a public transport strike. So the mood music isn't great at the moment. There's, by my calculation, up to £100 million has to be found somewhere in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Somehow London, Dublin, Stormont and the GAA are going to have to find it. Well, the GAA are making it clear this morning. That's why that that interview was important this morning, Mark. They're making it clear. They're not putting their hand in their pocket anymore. They they, they said in any significant ways. They might give a, you know, whatever, a relatively small amount more, but they're ruling out significant investment. How much are they worth? Have they got the money? Well, I suppose people will be looking into their recent annual report and and digging into the figures there. I can tell you that when they agreed 10 years ago to pay £15 million towards Casement, that was around 20% of the total. If Jim Shannon is right, and the total is now £220 I think up to £40 will be sought from the GAA. But as you say, they're keeping their hands in their pockets at the moment. But I think the real negotiation is only just starting. Now, let's be fair here and compare the GAA's position, no more money from them, uh, to the other sports who got their stadia. Rugby put nothing in, Mark. Yeah, I'm looking at a, a very boring 2019 Northern Ireland office audit office report but if you look at page 64 uh, they go through all the numbers from the regional stadia program it's maybe worth digging into that Stephen. as you say uh, rugby didn't contribute anything towards the 16.5 million pounds that was pumped into the kingspan stadium back in the day though they did 
build their own stand before the public funding became available. As for football, as we know, Windsor Park, £35 million was pumped into the redevelopment of Windsor Park. The IFA paid £4 million of that. That's a lot less than the £15 million that the GAA has pledged for casement. What, who came up with this model, or is this a common model across sport across the UK, that the public build the stadium and then the individual sports get all of the revenue? Is that a common model? Well, we are unique here, Stephen. I think anybody who listens to your programme at nine o'clock every morning knows that. And, of course, the history, the context to all of this is that the Stormont administration back in the day, almost 15 years ago, said it would build a stadium that all sports could play in and they wouldn't have to contribute at all. Of course, in the end, that didn't happen. We'll not go there. So there is this kind of hybrid model now of public money and some private money, but it isn't exact science, as you say, and there's no, there's no real precedent for it here in Northern Ireland anyway. And, and and it is yet a, a talking point that if the stadia built by the public and, and you look at the shortfall now that the public has for health, for education, for our roads, everything, there is a shortfall of money, then you, sport, we completely acknowledge you cannot not that sport goes well beyond the sporting activity. It, it provides cohesion within a community. It, it, it has a financial benefit to the local economies within all of these different communities. That is all huge. But if the public are paying in, should the public get anything back? If, if the GAA, for example, and this would apply to rugby and football too, but if the GAA are getting this massive stadium built for them and there are going to be concerts next year and the future years, there are going to be massive events, so the public have funded it, but the public get nothing back? Is that even a live discussion, Mark? I think it is a live discussion. You make the point that if you do have this 34,000-seater super stadium in West Belfast, you're going to be asking the likes, dare I say it, of Garth Brooks, Bruce Springsteen, Taylor Swift, how about it? And as we know, tickets for those sorts of concerts are more than 100 quid. So it would be a lucrative payday for the GAA. But we're jumping a lot of hurdles. The stadium isn't built yet. But yes, I would imagine that those sort of intricate discussions may be going on as we speak. Um. It, 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 the representative from the GAA said this morning, look, if it applies to the other sports, that they'll be, they'll be happy as long as it is uh, consistent. Let's then look at the potential for this stadium to be built or not built, Mark. We don't know how much it's costing. We don't know if a contractor has been appointed yet. And we don't know how the shortfall is being met. Yeah, and nobody is jumping up and down telling Jim Shannon he's wrong when he says he's been told, the DUP, Strangford MP, says he's been told it's going to cost £220 million. And by my reckoning, at the moment, the funds pledged amount to about £120 million. So someone somewhere is going to have to find that £100 million, and they're going to have to find it quickly. And back to what I was saying at the start, I think by the time UEFA are in town next week, I think they'll be seeking a little more clarity on this. What's the deadline, Mark? Well, I spoke to the GAA yesterday. Uh, I was up at Casement Park. They said, well, they've actually met the deadline because they have started clearance work. So everything is happening. But if you... 
pull back from 2027, which is the ultimate deadline. You have said uh, no ifs, no buts. This stadium has to be ready a year before the Euros. If it isn't ready by the summer of 2027, we're pulling out of Belfast and there will be no games here. So it takes about three years to build a stadium. So, so nothing can go wrong. They need to find this money soon. They need to get shovels in the ground and they need to get the stands up before, say, July 2027. Mark, thank you indeed for your reporting this morning. 030 30 80 55 Look, rugby got their stadium, uh, their stadium um, uh, uh, as did soccer. So is it not about time that the promise that was made to the GAA is delivered upon? We're talking about numbers this morning and value. What What is the value on Chris Heaton-Harris's word? He promised it. We played you the clip at the top of the show this morning where he said he guaranteed it. So where what is that worth? Does it mean anything? Why aren't the, 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 the British government following through on the promise that they made and, and, and providing the shortfall for this stadium? But it's a lot of money. As Mark was saying, it could be 100 million quid of, of a shortfall. And should the GAA, if the costs have gone up from the initial figure that was promised by the executive, £67 million, well, that was so long ago that the costs have soared since then. So should the proportion of money being contributed to for the building of that stadium from the GAA, should that go up in line with the costs? And are they saying they can't afford it or they won't pay it? Which is it? Have they got the money but won't pay it? Or can they not afford it? And these are some of the questions for the GAA as a sport this morning. David Honeyford is from the Alliance Party and Alliance MLA. Good morning, David. Morning, Stephen. Should the public just fund this, no matter how much it costs, given the context of demands and public funding at the minute? David. Well, the, the demand on public funding is right across the board, but absolutely the opportunity we have here um, to, to invest in, into the future and to, to see regeneration and our economy grow in, 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 in West Belfast and in Belfast and in Northern Ireland as a region to deliver the Euros and showcase Northern Ireland to the world. This is the third biggest event in, in, in sporting event in the world. And as well as having tourism and, and the public uh, from other fans from the countries coming to visit, we also are on every TV screen around around the world at this. So this is an opportunity for Northern Ireland, something we should really grasp. Why should the revenue not be shared? Why why do these sports sporting bodies get all of the money and the public doesn't get a revenue share back? Well, the, the, that stadium right across the UK right across there's a conversation to be had there I suppose is the answer to that but there is a, if you look at the <laughs> Olympic Stadium the Olympic Stadium was public money paid for West Ham now have it uh, if you look at the Ma- Manchester the Ali had uh, in Manchester Manchester City Stadium now Manchester City have it um, you know if you look at w- Windsor and I've already been delivered Windsor and, and Ravenhill uh, and, and when they're used for other things you know is that equal is that, is that public money coming back there's a conversation there but it needs to be um, well should that conversation not be not be had now David and nailed whatever the collective decision of the executive is now I I don't you know a stadium needs somebody to run it a stadium needs a body to look after it to to to, you know this isn't just for um, 
you know, has been said it'll be used for multiple different no, things. I, I get it's it, but it's quite, so, it's, it's quite, sorry to cut across you, David. Yeah, but, you're right, but, you're in the bum. But it is quite common, and look, I am by no means saying this is the way to yeah. go, but you're saying there, there, there should be a conversation. So it is quite common across different business projects, if you looked at different walks of life, right, that a that a a a a a a project where there is a public function and a private company coming together, for example, it is quite common that there's a revenue share in that. That 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 for example, uh, let let me give you an example. When in 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 television production, give you an example that I I, I know about David. Mm-hmm. If a private independent production company broadcast something on on the BBC and the BBC's funded the majority of that production, if that company then takes that intellectual property and sells that programme to France and Germany and the United States and around the world, the BBC gets a percentage. They get a kickback. They get a revenue share because public money has established it, has funded it in the first place. I'm just asking why the public, all the people listening to this programme, they're forking the vast majority out and getting nothing back. Well, let, let me give you another example then. If the BBC rent out one of their spaces that's publicly funded in the first place, did, did the public get a, a return on that? So it comes down to where the... You know, you're talking about uh, physical buildings here that are there to... Or stadiums, sorry, that are there to, you know, to, to deliver events, sporting events and everything else for the community. This, the money that will be generated will be invested back into the community that they're they're part of. So this is this is the circular economy around these uh, stadium. And we uh, and let's re- Belfast. We don't have a stadium capable of work, uh, of hosting world class events at the minute at, at the level and numbers of people that need to be to be there. So this will be used and 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 bring massive economic benefits to the local community around. So that that will happen as as a result of, of events happening and the regeneration, the community cohesion around that, how do you put a price on what that's worth? The, the, the amount of bringing the community together when the Euro's happening, Northern Ireland fans opening up that West Belfast and also West Belfast opening itself up for other people to come in. You can't put money on that. You can't put a price on how much that is worth and the return and the investment of what Northern Ireland been marketed to the world is as part of the five nations that are hosting this tournament. Just to, to, as use one example, you can't. What is the the value that this is going to pr- produce for us as a, as a region within the, the five nations? And 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 then there is of course the the mental health uh, benefits, the saving to the NHS when you've got something as big as the GAA, uh, and they're and they're providing that not just community cohesion. But people that play sport, the benefits to their physical health, their their mental health, um, put a cost on that. Absolutely, and one of the legacies of the tournament and of of, of the GA, uh, the, the state, actually of of all of of Ravenhill and Windsor and and, and Casement Building, the, the, the legacy of those stadiums is you get investment, you get excitement into the community, and you get more people active, and that is a benefit to your health service. So if you have more people active, you you're putting less pressure on your health service and and, and surrounding services there. So there, there's massive benefits, and how do you put a price on that? And you, but that is worth. A substantial amount to us as a community and as a people. I, I'm trying to read between the lines of, of, of what I've heard around this story. Mm-hmm. So 
the, the, we, we understand, obviously, there's a tendering process and we're being told... Um, I think it was the Minister Gordon Lyons told me in an interview we did on Nolan Live last Wednesday night, BBC One, that look, they they, they don't want to give too much financial figures out because um, of commercial confidentiality and we, we that tendering process gets good value um, back to uh, the government and the public because companies are competing to get the work, right? Yeah. So that would suggest that there is no price agreed yet to build it. Well, well here, here's the thing, Stephen. And, and if if one of uh, if I went to build an extension on my house, and I have a hundred thousand, say, borrowed on mortgage to to be able to to build an extension, I don't go to the builder and ask the builder to tell the builder, sorry, that I've got a hundred thousand to spend, and what can he do it for? I ask him what he can do it for, and then I tell him what I've got to spend. And that is the situation we're in at the minute. And there's an infatuation with the, the cost, and I understand the the. The, the level of interest in that but at this stage whenever you don't have a contractor there you don't go to the contractor telling them and what what you've got you need to you need to get a price and best value and we're here as uh, as political leaders to give the best value for money for our community as a whole and spend and be the best but, but will yeah, the community sorry. have an opportunity to discuss this uh, before the contract is signed Will, will 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 the community of Northern Ireland be able to discuss and their local politicians discuss with each other openly and publicly whether a hundred million or two hundred million or whatever it's going to cost is a, is good value given the the demands on the public purse for everything else at the moment? But the, the, we've already agreed within parties several over many years to deliver three stadiums. Two of them have already been delivered, and Kismet is the last. And alas, we want to see Kismet delivered, and and that's no matter the what the price. Already been, well, well, let's look at well, the pr- the price has got to be the best value for money for the stadium. Yeah, but, the stadium but, hasn't changed. But if it's, it's not determined. any different than well, what it was, well, so obviously, the when the t- it is. yeah, but when the tender is given, right? Yeah, it, it, by, by by the very definition of that process, it will be deemed to be good value for money. All right, it'll be deemed to be the best value you can get. Is a better way of putting it, right? Because that's what a tender process does. So, is it your position, David, that no matter how much this costs? As long as it's gone through that tender process, that stadium should be built. The, the stadium is what was promised 10, 15 years ago. It's exactly the same. Nothing has changed in that. But if you look at stadiums, and, and one thing to bring in context with this is, if you look at stadiums, the, the, the Aviva in Dublin was 400 and odd million 15 years ago. The, the, the Olympic Stadium was half a billion, 20, or sorry, when was that, 2012? You know, so if you look in, in, in cost of stadium, are we saying now that the Aviva isn't worth the investment of, of, of that cost? Imagine what that would cost to build now if, you know, if it was 400 million then. So if we don't go ahead, if we don't build casement now, it will be built at a point, but that cost is rising with every year that goes by. So this should have been built yeah. previously and, and it should be built for it. And the, the commentator, Chris Donnelly, is with us this morning. Chris, yeah. um, the, morning, Chris. Good morning, Stephen. The, the bottom line is, the, the Secretary of State, we heard it this morning, we played the clip, Chris Heaton-Harris guaranteed this. His word was guarantee. He said it. Does he have to deliver on it? Oh, he will. Of course he will have to deliver on it. I'm actually less concerned about Chris Heaton-Harris. I think that his utterances, most recent ones, are more to do with uh, not giving away how much money would be willing to be on the table when it comes to the bids that contractors are going to put forward. But let's be clear, Stephen. 
the DUP's objections and concerns have absolutely nothing to do with money. Absolutely nothing to do with money. How do I know that? Well, I can read. I can read. In September of last year, 26th of September, it's only a couple of months ago, Gavin Robinson, the deputy leader of the DUP, put out a statement welcoming £63 million being spent on an ice bowl in Dundonald's. An ice bowl, Stephen. £63 million only a couple of months ago. In the safeguarding the union document that the Tory party agreed with the DUP only a couple of weeks ago in Europe, well across that, Stephen, you interviewed Geoffrey Donaldson on that, the DUP were welcoming £36 million being spent on soccer stadia. And they also... Uh, within that document, if you look at it carefully, they make reference to the £300 million the British government is wanting to spend on football before the end of 2025 across the UK. So nowhere in that was the language that the DUP leader, Geoffrey Donaldson, is now talking about, uh, about, about concerns about money from the UK taxpayer uh, at a time, you know, during the current economic environment. So it's got nothing to do with Money. Well, Jeffrey Donaldson, Jeffrey Donaldson's um, statement uh, that that he issued. Uh, the last paragraph says the following: It is right that the GAA receives its allocation from the Northern Ireland Executive as previously agreed, and in line with the allocations to the three sporting bodies. But we cannot see how significant additional UK taxpayer resources will be available at a time when other vital public services are in need of additional resource and capital allocations. So Jeffrey's so basically Jeffrey's so. <laughs> saying, "Look, the sixty-seven million that we promised, yeah, that should be handed over, but not more at this time." Yeah, and I don't think that's a position that the British government would hold to at the moment either. And I think you know, I think David made reference to some of the other stadia through these islands at the moment. The other key aspect of this is a stadium of this size is a significant economic generator, massively, certainly much more than an ice bowl stadium. And how do I know that? Well, I, I was one of, four, one of many people in Dublin only a couple of months ago for the American College football classic between Notre Dame and Navy that Grant Thornton and Falta Ireland estimate raised over 50 million euro for the Irish economy. There was another game the year before that they estimated raised something similar. Even yesterday when the Tannis and Michal Martin was talking uh, about parking Cleveland Court, he was talking about 45,000 rugby fans were making use of the stadium for Crusaders and Munster. And he talked about how stadia you know, to become financially viable, they require events from different sporting codes to make them viable. And I think if, that's certainly something that the GAA would be look, interested in this is at about, as well. This is about equality also, isn't it? Um, look, if, if rugby and and, and Windsor, rugby had their stadium built, if Windsor Park was uh, was was developed as well, um, then why not GAA? It's a fundamental and, and important question. But also, Chris, if the, 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 the GAA stadium is costing, you know, so much more than those other two stadia, then is the GAA going to be making a phenomenal amount more money out of this? Well, let's let's look at that. Let's just explore the premise of that, Stephen. Why the three sports? Why the three sports? Well, let's, let's be blunt. Two of those three sports, the DUP would be quite happy money going to. The Northern Ireland football team in Linfield, sure, one of those stadia. Ulster rugby, they'd be happy with that. But the GAA is not one sports team. It's not one sport. There are, there, are, there are more GAA clubs in West Belfast than there are rugby clubs in the entire county of Antrim. And the GAA has many sports. 
It's good men's and women's Gaelic football. It's good hurling. It's good camogie. Even within the the grounds of Caselm, literally, there'll be handball walls because that's another sport. So most... this idea that you need to split the pie three ways, I think, was well, wrong. But from the, the start. but the, the GAA, GAA is a much bigger organisation in if, terms of popular if, uh, appeal within if, the society than the than than certainly rugby. If there is hundreds of millions of pounds going in to building this stadium public money then is it a fair question there must be an analysis somewhere the GAA must have done it or someone must have done it somewhere what is the revenue take going to look like over the next 10 years is the GAA going to become a disproportionately rich entity from from all of the revenue for their stadium compared to rugby and football is that not a reasonable question like, just how valuable is this to the GAA when their declaration to Buckler this morning on Good Morning Ulster was they ain't putting their money into their pocket in any significant way for more investment? How much are they going to make over the next 10 years? That that figure must be somewhere. Why can't the public know about it if the public's paying it? Okay, there's two things on that. Firstly, it's that you're not doing justice to what the GA spokesperson said this morning. He made reference to the fact that they're bringing more than £40 million pound courtesy of the Irish government investment, which certainly wasn't the case with regards to... The GA have what, not paid what, £40 million. They're, they're taking, no, they're no, taking the... They're, they brought £40 million more to the well, table from the they, Irish government. Well, the, the, Irish government, the Irish taxpayer brought that money. That's right. The GA didn't. The Irish taxpayer did. The GA claimed that they, they did the negotiation... If the Irish government hadn't have paid that money over, I doubt the GAA would have taken responsibility for it. No, but that money is on the table and that money was brought from without. And that's an important factor because, as you alluded to, the IFA didn't give much money towards the development of Windsor and the rugby authorities gave nothing towards the development of Ravenhill. The issue with regard to looking forward to the next 10 years, how much money they're going to make. Well, are we going to do that retrospectively, Stephen? Because, you know, in 2018, Windsor Park held a... Carframpton fight. I don't recall at the time talk about how the public ex- public are going to get money back from the fact that that fight was being held at Windsor Park. Strange that that wasn't an issue and it's only when it's a GAA it becomes an issue. No, and that's how many people listening no, are hearing this right no, now. Absolutely. You need to be aware of that. Well, it Why sh- does it become an issue when it's a GAA but it wasn't an issue? Well it should have been an issue. Or, well, well no 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 see, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. Why does it become an issue? when it's the GAA, a body which many within political unionism historically have been quite hostile towards. That is the key issue. Look, here's, here's where I, 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 I think the questions are at, Chris. It's about timing as well, isn't it? Now, first of all, there was an absolute commitment given for the building of this stadium. And I've asked this morning, does that mean that nothing else matters? What, what, what is the point of these documents and these deals uh, for the stadium and for other things in Northern Ireland if actually government doesn't deliver on their word. So GAA was promised. And why hasn't it been built by now is a completely fair question. And many people would say it's an outrage that it hasn't been done already. So absolutely, 100%, there are lots of people saying that. But the quantums of money is not an irrelevant thing, Chris. There's a hell of a difference between 30 million quid and 200 million pounds, isn't there? 
Absolutely. So, so Absolutely. Should, should the public not know how much absolutely rugby is making given the fact that the public invested in that stadium how much the IFA uh, the the football stadium is making why can't the public know if it's their money I I think you're right but it's not just the IFA it's Linfield also make use of Windsor Park so we need to get if we're going to drill down and we're going to drill down retrospectively we need to do that uh, well why not well look why not indeed let's do that but I think more important around this issue, I understand that there's a greater sum of money involved. But what I'm saying is that the key factor with regard to Casement is it's a game changer in in terms of having finally a venue in the north of Ireland, in Belfast, which could be a massive economic generator. I made reference to earlier, and I know, you know, even college football teams coming over. I know Mark Simpson was talking about finally having a concert venue that some of the big international acts would say, look, we'll not just go to Dublin, we'll come north. Now, those things bring in massive numbers of people to, to, to make use in terms of hospitality and across the board. And when people come, for instance, to the likes of the college football events in Dublin, that's their summer holidays from America. So they're coming over for perhaps two to three weeks. So we need to look at this in that regard. It's massive. Yes, but there's a it's big, potentially there's a massive. Big, there's a big payment up front. But if we look at, look at the figures that are coming from Falta Ireland, from Grant Thornton, to say, what is the dividend coming back? to the Irish economy. Okay. People but, have made reference to the Europa League Cup about, finals, well, Europa League about, finals in Dublin this summer. Well, what that about, could be something in Belfast in the future. Well, what about this first scenario, right? Um, and, and again, I'm asking this genuinely as a question, and equality and fairness across all the sports is so important here, okay? But what about this? What about, look, the GAA have uh, have promised 15 million pounds and that figure has not moved despite the costs going significantly up so what about some type of formula some type of equation that would say that for non GAA events in other words those big concerts you 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 mentioned chris that that the revenue that goes back into the public purse will be based on a fraction of how much extra money the GAA put in above the $15 million. So in other words, if the GAA want to double it, then they'll double their their, 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 their share um, of the money they would get from concerts and non-GAA events. And if they put nothing in, the taxpayer will get it all back for those non-GAA events. Would that have a sense of fairness to you if it was also applied to the other stadium? See, that, the, the problem I have with that is a problem that many people listening to your program have right now. Why has it become an issue just when the stadium for the GAA is raised? Why was it not an issue? It should have been an issue, surely, should it not? But why was it not, Steve? Why was it not is a massive thing. Why was it not? Because people just accepted it. When the GAA Maybe because raised, there's a difference sudden, between 30 million are, and 200 million. I don't think that's the issue, and I don't think you think it's the issue either. There's, there's something else at play, Stephen, which is why when the Irish government come out with a figure, a massive figure, they're going to invest in Northern Ireland, uh, which is going to grow the Northern Irish economy for a stadium. The first thing we get from the DUP is a statement which is not far away from welcoming, which is quite ominous in tone. With regard to the development. Matthew Robinson from the Northern Ireland Conservatives, he makes a good point, Matthew, does he not? That, look, you, you, you've, got, you've got the evidence here 
of, of, of how delivery was made for these other stadia, uh, for football, for rugby. So this has got to happen, and equality and fairness and the same rules need to apply. Matthew. Good morning, Stephen. And I think the UK government has always been clear on this for every, uh, a year now. I think investment in Casement Park can offer some real benefits for Northern Ireland PLC. I think it would be a, a shame uh, for the Euros in, in, in uh, 2028 not to see fixtures um, uh, in, 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 in Belfast. But who's uh, going to pay for it? Let's cut to the chase. Yeah. Why shouldn't well, the British government deliver on its word? Chris Eaton-Harris, we literally have his words that he's guaranteeing it. So well, pay I, up. I, I, I think we should focus first on, on, on the positives. There's already £67 million pounds, uh, banked. Uh, the DUP, Geoffrey Donaldson, has been very clear about that. And the executive seemed to be working um, uh, working together on that. That's a positive. £15 million from the GAA. The Irish government has committed a further £50 Where's million. the £100 million shortfall coming from? Uh, 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 well, uh, this is where we come to what the Secretary of State had to say yesterday. And I think there's a common thread in here of, of all of these uh, matters since Stormont was, was uh, restored. The, the devolved government means difficult decisions and competent governance. It's not for the UK government to swoop in every time and, and, and make difficult decisions Is for it, local politicians. On behalf of all of those people who play GAA, on behalf of all of those people who, 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 who listened to the Secretary of State and they believed his word, the words coming out of his mouth, as follows. Have a listen. We would have little scope for, 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 for moving beyond. We uh, would expect that the terms and conditions of that for the GAA... That's not it. That's exactly not the, 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 the right clip. We're looking for the Chris Heaton-Harris clip, which we will get in, in, in a moment or two, where he guaranteed it. He absolutely guaranteed it. And we'll hear this in a, in, in a second, Matthew. Does that not mean anything? Does the word from a Secretary of State not mean anything? Well, um, I don't. I don't think uh, you've seen an, an abandonment of of the UK government's uh, commitment here. It's clear that you know, they want Casement Park delivered for Northern Ireland. This has huge, uh, huge benefits in, in the long run. It's already a shame that because of dither and and and, and delay, and because of a collapsed uh, estornment, which had nothing to do with the UK government, had to do with our own local uh, parties, that we're already missing the 2027 Ulster Gaelic fo- football final. I think it's important uh, uh, that we get moving uh, on this. There's a huge opportunity for for, for Northern Ireland being so why able doesn't the British government... to showcase itself to so, the world. So with give the, the money to Europe. the GAA. And and, and 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 move on with it. Then well, here's what Heaton Harris said last year, just last year. We'll get the money. Don't you worry. We're from. Yeah, we're, we're, we're from all partners. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Well, look at again. I stress. Look at the money that's already a huge amount of money is already committed. And by the way, the speculation. Uh, of 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 the, that it could have you know got to the point of two hundred and twenty million is that speculation? There's no firm um, uh, uh, figure on potentially where the costs have, have gone here. Yes, have they increased? Uh, that's absolutely clear. But uh, I think we should be careful about avoiding speculation on on an exact figure. Let's focus on 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 the positive. Far too often in Northern Ireland, we stray into divisive sectarian arguments and focus on the negatives. It's focus not divisive to say, where's the money coming from? It's reality. It's a reality check. There's a, there's a clock ticking here. 
Yeah, well, and, the real, there's there's a positive reality in that a lot of money is already being committed. So let's let's try and bank on that. And if Stormont um, can uh, can make decisions locally to allocate additional uh, money, they should, should look they? at that. Should they? Well, I, I, well I, I, absolutely. This is the nature of the game. This is the nature of devolved governance. You know, Michelle O'Neill says she, she wants to be you know, first minister for all. The DUP say they want to deliver for Northern Ireland. Great, as do the Alliance Party, all unions. But that means getting around the table, governing and making difficult decisions. Governing isn't always about you know, pleasing everyone. And These you are think really gonna, diff- you, you, So let me get this right. You think the local executive is going to be able to find and look, we don't know the figure because exactly. we're not because we're not being right. told. But if the speculation's right and it's a hundred million, you think the local executive have got a, a spare hundred million up their sleeve, do you? Well, I, I, as you correctly said, Stephen, I think we've got to be careful about speculating on on, on what the additional figure is going to be. But I don't think it's unreasonable for for a proportion of, of, of the, uh, the, the the spending allocation to come also from yeah, Stormont. Proportion. The UK government uh, the, the UK government's been clear about revi- the need for local revenue raising in, 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 in Northern Ireland. This is a common thread for all of these things. And you think Case if there's local pro- rev- if there's local revenue raising, they're gonna put it into the GAA stadium, well, do you, before what? Health? There, there's a more than generous pot of money that's already on the table. Three point three. It's not enough. Three, it's underfunded, course, according well, to local politicians. Of, of course, it's not. That's why the UK government wants want, want to see sustainable finances in the long term. That means local revenue raising in, in the long term. Of course, there's one pot of money. Stormont has to ultimately make difficult decisions where some of that money is going to go. The UK government has been clear about the incredible opportunity that a Casement Park redevelopment and, uh, and, offers, and therefore, so they want with, to see it delivered. And with that incredible opportunity, Matthew, should the UK government declare how much extra money it's prepared to offer, and should they do it now? Well, the UK government has already put a seismic pot of money um, on, that was before on the, the table. cost went up. On, on, on the table uh, uh, contrib- for Northern Ireland. Right, well, so, right, yeah, but the costs have gone up for the... Like, we're stating the obvious here. The costs have gone up for the stadium, for the GAA. Somebody needs to pay it. Should the UK government put its hand in its pocket, especially given Chris Heaton-Harris' statement that he guaranteed the funding? I, I don't want to second-guess future uh, spending decisions, but I think there is an, a reasonable argument to be made that this not only does this offer huge opportunities for, for Northern Ireland, but also UK uh, PLC. You know, the Euros are going to be watched uh, you know, across, uh, across the world. This is an opportunity to showcase Northern Ireland and what Northern Ireland offer. Yeah. And in the long run, we shouldn't be narrow-minded and focusing about the, the, up, the upfront cost of the spend. What about the return that Northern Ireland could potentially get on uh, um, hosting well, again, uh, But again, Euro where matches. are those figures? Absolutely, that's relevant. But where are those figures so that the people listening to this programme and the general public can understand the return on their investment? And by the way, they might be very happy for that money to go into the GAA, given how much the GAA does for the community, for young people, for older people. It is an incredible sport with an, a, an incredible cohesion and buy-in, as is rugby, as is soccer. But how? why do we not know how much all of these entities are making? We well, built I, their stadium, all three of them. We built it. Why can't we see way, how much yeah. they're earning from it? 
Your point earlier in the program about uh, sharing in the revenue, I thought, was an entirely valid point, and perhaps that's something that Stormont should should look at. But look at the return well, on investment. Well, then you've got Chris Donnelly's point. Why didn't they? Why why haven't they asked Windsor Park? Uh, what's that called now? I don't even know what it's called now. The National Football Stadium of Windsor Park, is it? Thank you. Um, and the Kingspan, is it still called yeah. that? No. Um, so why haven't we asked questions about them revenue sharing, uh, sharing until now? That's Chris Donnelly's point, and it's a fair one. Well, I think that is a fair point. But let's look at the, the return on investment that we've seen. For the Kingspan hosted the 2017 Women's Rugby World Cup final. If you, if you look to, to, to golf just a few years ago, we got to showcase and host the Open. And that's it's going to be hosted next year again at, at Royal Port Rush. Northern Ireland, for a tiny part of the world, punches above its weight well, there you massively go. Royal Port Rush. sport. Royal Port um, Rush is another example of this. How much money did we, the taxpayer, put into that and how much did Royal Port Roche make out of our money? Well, and these are listen. These are fair points, but I think the big picture here is how this can deliver for Northern Ireland, put Northern Ireland massively on the map. Whether it's football, rugby, golf, we're a tiny part of the world, but we've got some of the best um, athletes in in, in 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 some of these sports. These are success stories okay. that we can sell uh, to Ma- the world, and I think we should focus on the positives and not get hung up on on a magic figure that no one quite. Uh, it seems to be able to land on no. just yet. Paul, thank you. Uh, sorry, Matthew, thank you. Sean, next morning, Sean. Good morning, Stephen. How Go are ahead, you Sean. Stephen, the point I'd like to make is, I mean, currently across Northern Ireland, there are 540 GA clubs across the of Northern Ireland. You know, you're talking this morning about the funding going in from the, you know, the government and so on. The provision of GA pitches by councils in Northern Ireland Shocking. There's 54 GA pitches across Northern Ireland provided by councils. If it was to be done pro rata as it should have been done, like for instance, there was a recent report done a number of years ago in Belfast, and they did the, the number of pitches that were needed for each sport. There was one more required for soccer. There was 46 required for GA. If all the councils were to provide those pitches, you'd build two casement parks. Because so the money that goes into the GA goes back into the clubs to provide those pitches. I mean, like 540 GA clubs, that means there's one pitch per every 10 GA clubs across Northern So why can't, this be spell- why can't this all be transparently spelt out in a table with the figures of all of these sports? And by, and by the way, golf included. See that Royal Port Roche and those other golf clubs and all of that? Why well, let, can't let, the let, public see where their money is going? Let's let make one thing very clear. I am a big sports fan. I love all sports. I'd love to see the Champions Cup final with Ulster and rugby being played in Casement Park. I'd love to see that happen. I'd love, I'd love to see all those sports taking part. And I think it's important. Well, but, you know, can I take that as an example? And sorry if I'm being naive here. See if there's a massive rugby event at Casement Park. Yeah. Does rugby get any of the take of the ticket sales or does it all go to the I, GAA? I can't answer that question. I don't but, but, know. But, I don't, but I, should we all not know? Yeah. Yes, I don't disagree with you, but the other question that has to be asked then, I mean, all the other sports clubs, I mean, but think, you know, you're saying, where does that money go? But I mean, Stay there for me, stay there. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. So a commitment was made that a, a stadium for the GAA would be built. What, why is, is our commitments, why have they so little currency and value in politics is another question. So what is the point of, 
all of these papers, be it NDNA, be it uh, the, 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 the current agreement, the latest agreement, be it any agreement made between a government and political parties in Northern Ireland, if those commitments are not sacrosanct, if we look at the trend in Northern Ireland where people sometimes shrug their shoulders and say, yeah, that was promised, but yeah, it didn't happen. Oh, there we go. Then what does that say for our democracy? What does that say for future deals? What does that say for your vote, for your buy-in to this democracy when you're told that a deal and a commitment has been made? So the bottom line is a commitment was made that the GA the GAA and football and rugby would get stadia. Rugby's got theirs. Uh, football has got theirs. Soccer. So how on earth can it be tenable that there is not a stadium built for the GAA? Next question. What's a reasonable... Is there any... Once that commitment was made, and you heard me play before 10 o'clock... Chris Heaton-Harris, the Secretary of State for Northern Ireland, with all that authority, he guarantees it. So should there therefore be no ceiling on the cost? As long as that tender process is done, as long as it is done so that it is the best possible price Northern Ireland could get, is there no top line to what the price should be? Whatever it costs, it has to be done because a promise was made. How is that not the case? But look at the tension and all the money what the extra money could do for the likes of health, for education, for our roads, children with special needs. But if you start then using that argument, then you would never build any stadium for any sport, would you? Because how, how do you put bricks and mortar before uh, a, a, a child with special needs, before the education, before our roads, before um, the health waiting list? Let's just listen to a little longer segment of what Chris Heaton Harris said yesterday. Remember, he guaranteed the money a year ago, uh, and now this is what he's saying yesterday. I'm very wary that people, um, uh, contractors, when bidding for a contract like Casement Park, might choose to think that the taxpayer's largesse is infinite in this space. And I want to make sure that it's completely understood that um, whilst there's apps, I'm sure there will be a decent taxpayer contribution, it's got to be done on a value-for-money basis. And I think this government's demonstrated through what it's done with HS2 that if it's absolutely something becomes way too expensive, um, then uh, things have to change. Sean, I ask you to stay stay on. I want you to be able to finish your point. Heaton Harris is essentially saying there, he's sending a message out to the contractors, isn't he? Don't think that you can take the pee because yeah. the British government will not have unendless amounts of money to commit to this. Look, that's standard talk when it comes to you know things like uh, major contracts. You, know, you had somebody on yesterday talking about the narrow water bridge, which they said is shovel ready. They didn't give you the fee. They didn't give you the. Um, they didn't give it on BBC Radio Ulster. They didn't give the cost of that because the final contract just hasn't been signed, but it's ready to go. That's standard. You don't. You don't give that information because if you tell somebody you have two hundred, oh, I have two hundred and forty million sitting here, they'll charge you two hundred and seventy. So you, it, you know, it's common sense. But to go back to the other point you were saying about, first of all, you know, where does this revenue go? Where does it all go? I mean, GA's books are open. 
you know, the annual report was published last weekend for Congress this weekend. So the, it's there. If you go looking for it, you'll find it. It's, it's open and you'll find... So do you know, so sorry, has it been published? Because I don't think it has. What the projections are, because they must have been done. If you're building a stadium worth hundreds of millions of pounds, the projections must be done as to what the revenue will be over a 10-year period. So what is it? No, I, I, I don't know what the revenue is, but like I'm not at that level involved. No, I'm, I'm not saying you don't know. None of us know. No, yes, but I'd say like, I would say there would be a projected. But the point is, you were making, you know, you were making a very good point there about the healthcare and you know provision of healthcare. But you've got to remember, right? If you have a massive event, say in the likes of Casement Park, and all the hotels are full, all that VAT that's coming in, all that additional money that's coming in, the government takes that, so they'll have that to spend on, you know, on the healthcare. So why don't we see those projections? I because, because I, I I agree with you that there will be a massive boost to the economy with a stadium of that size. So yeah. why can't we inform the public by seeing those projections? There's something missing in this debate, Sean, yeah. and it's the but numbers. We, yeah, but it's it is, the numbers. Even as you said, it is a debate, just not about the GA. It's a, it's a debate about all events. A hundred percent, and it can't not be, or, the, or, or it's not equal. A hundred percent. But uh, you know, there are, I also like. I mean, my main point was you know provision of sporting facility. The GA over massively compared to other sports organisations in Ireland or Northern Ireland provide their own facilities. They they do it massively. You know, they don't depend on councils to provide it. And as I said, if the councils had to step up, you probably build two casement parks and the money that's involved if they had to provide this pitch. But the other thing also is, I mean. You know, I think sport generally has to look at what it's doing. With this lunacy going on for years, where you know, GA build a pitch, soccer builds a pitch, rugby builds a pitch, basketball, netball build the courts. You know, we should be going like they do in Europe, multi-sports facilities, where you know you have all these grounds in one facility. You know, you're changing your social club and your GA pitch, your rugby pitch, your soccer well, pitch. You should be all there together. That, he, that's he, sensible spending a month. Here's another question, right? Why is the uh, the the money, the the profit that is that that will be taken across all three stadia that have been built with public money, right? Why is it not shared back with all three sports? So all all three revenues pulled together, and the revenue shared among all three sports, dependent on a ratio, a formula that could be calculated. P- pertaining to how much money they originally put in, so why not? Why not share the money across soccer, across rugby, across GAA, proportionate to what they put in? Why not? Yeah, well, that's. I mean, that that's a valid point. There's no, there's no question. That's but, they, a valid point. but these discussions but, I mean, are not. Is, they're not. The, they're not the in the mix, there, are they? There is. There is. I mean, there the, the cooperation going on between the FAA, or the FAA, sorry, the um, you know, rugby, no. Is, and GA, it's way beyond what it ever was before. They work together regularly on coaching courses and child development courses, you know, for children's safety. The, the amount of work those organisations now do together is phenomenal. Compared to what it was, I mean, they wouldn't hardly talk to each other 50, 60 years ago. Now they're cooperating closely. And that's that's only good. That's positive. Like, I'm a great believer. You spend a penny in sport, you, you, you spend a ten or less in health. And I think that's that's the way it always should be. And, I mean, it should be focused in that direction. All sports, every sport, money going into sport is money well spent, regardless where it's going. And, yes, 
you know, the points that were made about, you know, why why don't they get a cut of the income? But you just can't do that to GA. You would have had to have done that to, you know, Windsor Park when it's been built. You would have had to have done it. Why doesn't the executive, should the executive uh, retrospectfully look at that? I don't think they'd be contemplate it. I don't think they'd be allowed to do it. Because they would have signed an agreement. They would have signed, when the money was put in by communities or whatever department it was at that stage, put it into the likes of Kingspan, put it into the likes of Windsor Park. They would have signed an agreement. And like I'm not privy to what was in that agreement. I'm sure you could find out if you wanted to, but you could find out what was in that agreement in Windsor Park. What is there the something here, just as we continue to talk about this, is there something here that we all just need to think about, about sport? Across Northern Ireland, so we're 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 in a time where we realise the difference money can make as much as ever before, right? And the and the the emotional emotive pools that there are right across all different. You could you could list a hundred different uh, topics which deserve money, and we don't have enough, right? Yeah. You think then, you know, come up today, Royal Portrush funded for those massive, massive uh, worldwide golf tournaments that bring in so many people to Northern Ireland and the benefits that we get. But but, but should that money, should the public know what their return on investment is? You, 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 you look at then the hundreds of millions of pounds that were given to golf clubs during COVID, whether the golf clubs needed it or not. I think the department said subsequently there were lessons to be learnt from it. Yeah. You, you, you look, Len, at these discussions we're having where we don't know how much profit is going to be made. We don't know how much revenue is being made by football, by rugby, and now GAA out of all of this. You know, do, do, the, do the Stormont Scrutiny Committees know? Yeah. Well, you know, that's... You know, that's a valid point, but I would say they do. They have to know. I mean, there's nobody going into this play. I would say, I have no doubt the likes of communities, uh, tourism, when they give that money to golf to Royal Port Rush, they would have analysed, is that good value for money? You've seen other events where they said, mm, no, we're not going to fund it because we don't believe it's good value for money. So they, they obviously do. Well, you're putting, a lot of, you're putting a lot of trust. Remember, it was some of our politicians who thought that it was good value for money to hand Malone Golf Club a, a, a whack of millions, despite the fact that you know they had millions ready, presumably of revenue in their account. We know that some of these golf clubs were not; there was, that none of them were tested in terms of whether they needed the money. You're putting a lot of confidence in some of the politicians. Yeah. Well, yes, but you have to. You know, the point is, you can change that. You can make sure the next election, if you don't put trust in somebody, not elect them. So that choice... Only if you have the information. Yeah, once you have the information, but that's a people's choice. And I mean, yes, maybe we're, we should have better information, but it's not a reason to say, no, it shouldn't receive funding or it should. Sean, in fact, yeah. in fact, if that type of information was published, it could be a reason for saying, let's do it oh, yeah. right now. Well, I, that's why, that was why my original point was, you know, people said, oh, it just looked at the GRS and we're not putting our hand in our pocket anymore. You know, the, two points he made. A, 
they're an amateur sports organization. The biggest in the world, but they are an amateur sports organization. Totally amateur. Well, let's they're see how much that amateur sports organization is due to receive over the next 10 years for a stadium that it's speculated could cost a couple of hundred million pounds. Sean, thank you. Christine and Lisburn. Morning, Christine. Um, I'm ringing up about something that maybe has been covered by yourself, but I haven't heard it and I listen to you most days. Um, I lived, I was born in the street just directly opposite Caseman Park. In the 60s and the 70s growing up there on a Sunday, the street and the surrounding area were covered in cars of people coming to the matches, rightly so. They were coming from far and wide and they parked everywhere they could get a space which meant that the people who lived there, they couldn't move. If they moved, they lost the space in front of the house. Now, there wasn't a lot of cars in those days. My father had one. And I wonder in today's world, whether because casement is right slap in the middle of housing. People live, go on their normal lives. Where are the thousands of cars and coaches going to park? How are they going to get there? The Anderson's Town Falls Road, and any day is always backed up. It only takes a bus to pull in to let somebody well, for, off or on. For part of a planning consideration is parking. So that must have been factored in by well, the Well, I wonder, would you find out about that? Is there underground parking? Because you can imagine what it's going to be like traffic-wise, even for them to get to the car parking, if there is any. Yeah. Uh, on any day, the M1 stockman's lane coming both ways, trying to back up of traffic. The area for the people is going to be a nightmare. I know it's a great and exciting thing to do with Kismet, and I'd like to see it. But for the people, and I have relatives still living there, and I know, and I love the area, I love where I am now, but I love the area. I mean, that's going to be a living nightmare for them. And, and well, you talk about a car. What about Cup Half Full? What about what? the, ex- the there's car parking, by the way, designed into uh, the the proposal for Caseman Park for 220 cars, 240 that's cars, not enough, 240. Even, that's not enough. No, you'll find. I mean, I, I mean, I, you get the look of people. I'm surprised I haven't heard many on. I'm not objecting to it. I just wonder, have they thought of that? I mean, there's a lot of money of talking about who's going to make money, and that's great. But for the locals and everywhere. So, the infrastructure and the roads haven't changed. I think you're raising a, a a really, really good point, and I'm trying to get my head around this. So, look, if you build, like I've done this, right? Um, yeah. If you build, let's say, six apartments on a piece of land, right? Huh. As part of your planning application as a as a property developer to be able to build those apartments, that's right. Yeah, you, you, have to have the space. you need to have parking spaces, and I I think it's not always the case, but it's often the case that you need to have at least one parking space uh, per apartment. Sometimes that's it's one right. and a half, right? Yeah. So I think you raise a really interesting point I with a, with a stadium of a capacity stadium. of thirty four and a half thousand people. No. There's no way. How There's are no 240 way. parking no. spaces? And I know coaches will come, but where they park? And it, it, I, I, could, I actually, and I don't live in the area anymore, but because of the experience as a child and what we went through in the 60s and 70s, I'm just saying, but where will all those cars and coaches go now? There's two cars nearly to every family. There are yeah. people living there now. What we've got to do is is keep on 
you know, making and drawing the comparisons, you know, what type of parking is around Kingspan? What type of park parking is around Windsor Park? Those are, well, are, are dense are areas. They, are dense they, have areas. they got homes? Have they got homes? Of course there's home. Of course. Well, I don't know that, Stephen, but there's... Oh, I can tell you. Wait, wait, the Kingspan Stadium? It's surrounded with houses. Surrounded. Well, and and, and uh, Windsor Park's the same, just off the Donegal Road there, so in the village area, surrounded with Well, with I houses. don't know what the people think and what they deal with, but I just wonder, the Anderson's Town, or I don't know if their roads are as busy as the Anderson's Town, Falls Road, Kennedy Way... I mean, they have made great improvements around at the, you know, McDonald's that um, roundabout there. The lights and that are great. But it's still, at times, it's backed up. But could you imagine the motorways trying to get up and down and go around on a Sunday anyway? And and then, as I say, if there's concerts on, how it's going to be. I I just haven't heard it mentioned, Stephen. Thank you. Thanks, first of all, for calling us today. I notice you say you listen to the programme nearly every day, so thank you for doing that, Christine. Well, do you love it. You're a great company. Thank I you very much. With you, too, like oh, you a fight with me, do you? You fight with me, like my mother fights well, me. Well, not only you, but Stephen, you have a lot of people on, and I find my voice when I'm baking scones like I'm doing this morning, and <laughs> shouting at it, my neighbours heard me type, shouting at the radio. What type of scones are you making? Cherry ones, Stephen, oh. and I love them, and I don't cut the cherries off. They're, I'd, they're I'd whole lo- cherries. I love a hot scone, and you just plaster yeah. the butter on. Oh. There you go, I'm going to do that for breakfast. Thank you, Christy. Morning. Paul's Bye, calling no. us from Anderson's Town this morning. Morning, Paul. Morning, Stephen. Morning. How are you? Morning. Good morning. Uh, uh, just a couple of points. The first point is I just wanted to, to respond to your last caller, Christine. Um, I live in Anderson's Town. The, the parking situation is, is factored into this stadium. Parking's going to be off-site and off the Anderson's Town Road. That's where the parking's going to be. It's not going to be an issue. It's factored in. Yeah, it would have to be, uh, pretend to any planning application, that's the point I made, parking is a consideration. Yeah, parking, parking's not an issue. That's why That's why Christine hasn't heard anyone talking about it, because it's not a factor. It's not an issue. Um, I just wanted to say this morning, hysteria and hypocrisy is writ large this morning on this show. Um, I don't recall your programme ever. Now, I've, I've followed this here ever since the DUP torpedoed the multi-sport site at Lisbon. I don't recall you devoting two days to the Kingspan or Windsor Park or demanding to know how much money is going back to Linfield and the IFA. Well, we should know. Uh, I'm, I'm, saying, I'm saying it now. No, the, 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 is it not a question you, as to whether we should or should not know? Before you interrupt me, Stephen, I just want to echo what Chris Donnelly said. You've never mentioned it before. You've never mentioned it before. Now, How many Park, years have you gone back? Right? Stephen, I, I, I don't, I mean, 10, 15 well, years. Well, well, how do you know whether I mentioned it? I, you know, 10 years ago. Come on, Paul, Stephen, be reasonable. Stephen, no, no, Stephen, I'm being reasonable. I'm being reasonable. I'm being re- You tell me you've devoted two days of a programme to Windsor Park or Kingspan demanding to know how much money's going back to Ulster. We've asked many questions about Windsor Park over the years. We've asked many really? questions about Kingspan so over you've the got years, yeah. This, this level of hysteria now, you've, you've, you've reached before this level of hysteria with those two separate no, stadiums. First of all, Paul, there is no hysteria. We're talking. And when there when there is a hundred when there are hundreds of millions of pounds involved, mm-hmm. it is not unfair for journalists across the paste 
to be asking questions about it. That's not see, called hysteria. That's called a public discussion. Yes, I'm asking you and other commentators, did you ask the same questions when those two stadiums were built? Well, I can't remember 10 to 15 years ago or whenever it was they were built. I can't remember, but there's no way that we wouldn't have asked questions around whatever it was, a £30 million investment and and, and rugby putting no money in. Of course we would have asked questions. Okay, okay. Well, look, Stephen, my my opinion, what, what I would suggest you do, Send some of your researchers up in the West Belfast. Send some of them up in the West Belfast. And they'll tell you exactly what, what well, I'm saying. You tell me. You tell, you, you, if, you tell if, me. Where do you think the, the money should come from? Do you think the British should just deliver British the money? Because they promised the it. They government, the British government. They, would, they, they, they guaranteed they would find it from other partners the and themselves. The British government have made a commitment. The British government have made a commitment. They will pay the rest of the money. But I, wanted to, I just want to get back to my original point, if you allow me. If this brand new stadium was being built anywhere other than West Belfast, these conversations wouldn't be happening. Oh, come on. Come on. I guarantee well, I, Sorry, can I just... Can I just nail that, right? And tell you this. You are factually wrong, right? And let me tell you why. If there was a hundred million pound speculated to be, because we don't know, because they, they, we don't... The, the public are in the dark about it, right? If there was a £100 million shortfall in funding for a stadium or any type of building project and there was, uh, there was uncertainty as to whether that would come out of public funds, private funds, where that money would come from, there is not an inch, not one inch of land in Northern Ireland where any decent journalist would not probe Stephen, into there, there and no cover that story. You are deluded. No you are deluded to think there that journalists no are covering that journalists there are covering no, this story because it's in West Belfast. It is mad is to no think that. There is no uncertainty where the money's coming from. The British government have guaranteed it. Well so there's no uncertainty. They haven't they haven't written the check there's yet, no have they? They haven't written the check. They haven't That's written the check. That's up to them. They will find the money. The British government well, have guaranteed well, the money. And so there is no uncertainty. And you know what? The fact that we and other journalists are doing this story means that you can hold the British government to account. And thank you for calling us today. Gareth and Kirkcobbin. Go ahead, Gareth. I have a huge uh, clincher here, Stephen. And it's another word beginning with H. Oh. And the word is hazard. Heaton Harris does not realise the hazard that is ahead for him because he cannot... Hold back on one hundred million plus for this stadium, and then ask the Northern Ireland Assembly to raise another one hundred and thirteen million pounds. That would mean that he's balancing the stadium on the back of the Assembly itself. Well, the money would come out of two different funds, wouldn't they? One would be. He would have to resign, Stephen. Quite frankly, if he's not going to honour his word, because he's balancing the stadium on the back of the Assembly, and all this to it and throw it over money. Not only is it being coy with the contractors, which is obviously the right thing to do, it's also providing cover for the DUP with their own cultural reservations as well, Stephen. What was your H word? Hazard. Thank you, Gareth. Marks and Lisbon. Can you see the hazard? Can you see the hazard? On one hand, he wants us to find $100 million, And on the other hand, he's wanted us to raise $100 million, Stephen. Good morning, Mark. Thank you, Gareth. Thank you, Gareth. Morning, Mark. 
Hi, Stephen. Um, first of all, um, a bit of an issue with Chris Donnelly. I don't think there was any need to bring Limfield into this. Remember, Limfield owned the stadium and they leased it to the IFA and part of the contract is the IFA would do maintain and do things to it. So that was a business deal, but and, and what, what are the sums involved in that business deal? Well, how, how much well, is involved? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Well, let's, let's be honest, Dean. If you own a house and you lease it to somebody, that's a business deal. But let me finish here. People are turning this into a them and us. And this is what worries me. I'm a unionist, right? I'm a big football man. I think the GA deserve a new stadium at Gazement Park and they deserve to get money. What it would say is because of the expense, it might need to be reduced capacity and be a bit cheaper. But they deserve that stadium. Same as football deserves the money for the stadium. Now, here's the thing. This delay, Chris Donnelly never mentioned this. You know, it's, it, it, he's trying to portray maybe the DUP are a wee bit reluctant or whatever. But the delay came because the local people were objecting to the size of the stadium. And rightly so. It's up to them. They live there to have their concerns. Mark, but that's why Mark, the delay. No, Mark are you justifying a delay that's lasted, what, 10 years? Are you justifying well, that's, that? Well, that's where, How unfair is that? For for Stephen, for the GAA the community, is it not Stephen, outrageous only, that there should be that length of delay? Stephen, and how much it fe- how must it feel like that they see a football stadium there delivered, that they see well, a rugby stadium there delivered, and they're well, still waiting? What, what must thing, it feel Stephen, like? Well, here's the thing: stop, stop, Stephen, stop cheating. Here's the thing: ask the people how long ago they were in court, still trying to oppose this, the size of it. So it's, it's, I'm not being funny, and then people have the right. I don't live there; they have a right to question. I'm saying I believe there should be a brand new stadium and it maybe should just be a bit reduced capacity and every they'll get the money for the stadium and everybody will see okay. it a few points. Mark, your last call today. Thank you very much indeed. TransLink have been in touch with the Nolan Show. We broke the story this morning uh, that they've been put on notice for a three-day strike next week. Doesn't mean it's necessarily going ahead, but there's the potential if pay negotiations um, don't stop it. Translink spokesperson has told the Nolan Show we continue to engage with our trade unions with regards to further proposed industrial action. Services are all scheduled to operate as normal at present. Decode that Translink statement. They're confirming our story. In other words, yes, the unions have threatened strike action. And the buses and trains might be off next week, but that's not confirmed yet. We keep you across it. See you tonight. BBC One 1040 for Nolan Live. What a big day. See you later. In the country. Listen again on BBC Sounds. Tweet at Stephen Nolan. In a digital world that demands your attention, it can be challenging to build your own worldview. The Financial Times brings you rigorous and independent global journalism, so you can see more angles and find time to think for yourself. Don't jump to conclusions. Read to them instead. Fearlessly Pink. Financial Times. Read more at ft.com fearless.